You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. We're here at the back table, of course, with Mr. Dan Natterman. Dan Thank Natterman. You. Um, good evening, Dan. How do you do? I, uh, I just got... In from JFK, I was in Arizona, so uh, I have a, some. I'm slightly fatigued. But on I'll, a gig, I'll, I was doing a gig. Is out there? Yeah, making some making some dough at a Je- corporate gig. JetBlue Mint. <laughs> no, no, I was American Airlines. Uh, coach, a, coach class, but I did pay forty bucks to sit up front. I get a little extra leg room. Extra leg room. <laughs> now uh, and for Wi-Fi. So, now, now, now and I, pay, I did. That. I paid sixteen bucks for Wi-Fi. It's just free on JetBlue. Now, now, now and flying, a flat bed on JetBlue Mint. I was going to say, Flying Coach was probably a, a, a distant memory for our, our first guest, Mr. James Altucher. He's the owner of the Stand Up New York Comedy Club. as a Co-owner. Well, He's a co-owner. co-owner. It, does, it doesn't say co-owner. Oh, it does say co-owner, yeah. As well as uh, someone who made a lot of, well, I don't know if he made a lot of money or not, but uh, he was uh, involved in hedge funds and Bitcoin and all kinds of financial stuff. Stuff uh, is are you the, still, the key word of that. Are you still bullish on Bitcoin? Because it's I, not doing I am, well. I am bullish on Bitcoin. You don't. You don't. You judge things by their value, not necessarily by their day-to-day price. So, what's? The, well, I'm not going to argue about Bitcoin because I don't know anything I'm talking about. But how could it be worth anything? It's nothing. Anyway, go ahead. Um, <laughs> how, how is how is paper money worth anything? Well, because it's backed by the United States government. Not anymore. Yeah, of course it is. Well, it's not backed by gold anymore. Not backed by gold, but. It's backed by the it, government. It's, it's, you have to pay taxes in it. So and that's it, that's where its value <laughs> derives from. And I, mm. I know this blockchain is supposed to be so secure, but it also can't just be hacked by somebody and all disappear. True. And, uh, and uh, or, or, or or nobody will or people legally. I'm not not accepting it. You have to accept dollars. So you don't have any bitcoins then? Uh, no, I mean I would I would play around for fun, but I mean I, it's hard for me to imagine, but. Well, I, I, we, uh, we can get into the whole thing with it, yeah, but uh, it's I, I not necessary. <laughs> it's also Rebecca, Rebecca Trent. Uh, I, I bought a Bitcoin last year and got mo- got my money out and made Hold a little on a bit second. of money. I'm the owner of the Creek and the Cave. He was oh, supposed to say that. And the then... owner of the Creek and the Cave Comedy Club. So, I so, listen, <laughs> I don't believe... We met on this podcast. Yeah, we Rebecca did. We met on this podcast, podcast a year ago. I think the day after you bought into Stand Up New York or right yeah, around basically that. Yeah, basically that because it was, it was, it was in the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I told Norm and you, and you were funny. You said, uh, okay, shut down the podcast. Now, you're a co-owner. Are you a majority owner? Uh, I am Stand up e- equal with the co-owner. Equal with the co-owner. Now, 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 James did something very, almost. He's almost an evil genius, because he actually had it both ways on the on the Louis C.K. thing. He actually was out there championing Louis C.K. while his Booker was out there saying yeah. she would never book Louis C.K. How did you feel about Candy? I mean, did she run that by you before that got put out there? No, and of course that's you know we could debate whether the booker should run things by the owner, but uh, a- as an owner, you don't want to necessarily be involved in the booking. Now, it, did she make a business decision for the business? That's another question. But sure. but but definitely, I would stand by the booker's beliefs uh, on any issue. Basically, so that, that's an in- sorry. Huh. Go ahead, go ahead. I think it's an interesting discussion uh, in comedy clubs. The booker and the owner are almost never the same person. There's usually a, sep- a separate... It has to be that way, as you, as everybody here knows. Well, because the owner doesn't want to get bombarded with requests to get on stage. Well, and look, also, I perform at Stand Up New York, and Please. I defer to Candy booking me. I, don't, I can't just put myself on the stage. 
Well, of course you can if you wanted to. No, but I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never want. Look, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't want to book. Well, but she books. Do you yeah. Book, you, she books. I'm the booker of my comedy club. Yeah. But that's a that's a, that's the exception, not the rule. I'm often the exception that proves the rule. Well, you <laughs> said that earlier. But no, Noam, of course, Esty is the booker. She's been the booker for decades sure. now. I would never want to book because it's it's tedious. Like as an owner, I don't want to do anything. Like I I want I want to run things and then be able to spend as much time like playing the guitar or doing doing the only the aspects of the business that I enjoy. So like years ago when I was into like software, like I would spend hours just like programming the website or whatever it is. And the and booking the room is very, very tedious work. So much better to have somebody come and do put the whole thing on paper well, for you. it's better if you can afford it. Now, if you're doing right. a shoestring... But I, but I am involved right. in the booking because in the end, it's run by me before it gets out there. So I and I, I mean, I usually rubber stamp it, but sometimes I do make changes. And, and no matter what, just the fact that I have to approve it every week and and my my feelings about these things are known makes you know creates a certain uh, uh, out uh, product output. Now, when somebody comes to you and says, uh, you know, I'd like to perform here, yeah. do you say, oh, I don't, I'm not in charge, Doctor Esty? No, I say send me a, send me a link to your your video. Uh, now, what about you, James? If a comics came up to you and said, hey, oh, you, you're part owner of Santa Maria, I'd I, love to work there. I, in most cases, I'll just introduce them to. Candy, the booker, or if it's somebody I've known and seen, but like in other cities around the U.S. and they're visiting New York, I'll say to Candy, this is where I've seen them. This is the experience I had and the experience I saw and the audience they drew. And, uh, and then usually she'll try them out, but uh, but she might also want to see a video. So now wait. Now here's, I'm going to get back to the evil genius thing and then we'll move on. So you're saying that if Louis' assistant contacted you, like walked in here tonight and said, you know, Louis wants to do a show at your club tomorrow. A surprise show. You would say, can't do it. My booker said no. No, I think I personally, if I was if if, if I was making the decision who's going up tomorrow, which, you know. Would you, would you override her decision? If she was there and she said, no way, I'm quitting booking. If, if we put Louise Camp, then I would say, fine, we're not going to put Louise Camp. But if, you know, if, if she's not there every night, she's, she's not, not booking it. every night, she's not booking every slot. I love Louis C.K. I would put him up. Did, 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 so did we? You know, this is why. Did we actually get an answer there? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure either because it would have to happen. <laughs> well, we well, get, if Candy didn't didn't threaten to quit. The, the answer like. is is that James values Candy a great deal, and if she threatened to quit. Well, the threat to quit is he, he introduced that as well, that's, that part of but, it. But the thing is, it's like you said, <laughs> booking is a is a is a difficult job. It's a you have to have the network, you have to have the connections, you have to be organized for it. As you know, since you're doing it and running a comedy club, it's 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 difficult. It may be as tedious at times, and you have to deal with lots of different types of personalities. Candy's got her view on booking, which we appreciate, which is why we, we love her there. If I if Louis C.K. came to me and said, can I go up and stay in New York? I would do everything I could to make sure, yes, he's up tomorrow. Um, but that would involve calling Candy and saying, look, we're, we hopefully you don't quit because we want to put him up. This is a man who does not suffer from toxic masculinity. And <laughs> <laughs> um, empowers of, women. And as far as uh, booking being tedious. I'm, I think, I'm the beta male. I'm in, in the club and Candy's the alpha male. I, I think you're the master beta male. The worst yeah. part about booking, from what I could see, is people harassing you all the time. It's and not being, that and, bad, and hating though. you because you don't use them. People, well, that sure, but you, you, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, some but people I think fit, that, some people don't. But I, I think ultimately, people tend to want to be, I don't know, well mannered and respectful when they're trying to get spots at places. So they're not going to go out of their way to be like douchey. 
But that might be true, but I think a lot of comedians, this is all personality types. You get that, you, you get probably a wider spectrum of personality types in comedy than just about any other industry. And, but then you, then you, someone shows you who they are. So if they're douchey, you just wouldn't have them on anyway. Oh no, we, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't care. <laughs> douchey is welcome. Douchey does not enter into it here. Noam is very, very uh, firm about separating his personal feelings for a comedian and his professional feeling. You could be the biggest asshole on two feet. If you kill downstairs, no one will use you. And, but, he, and he's quite proud of that. But let me let me say, I bet you here more than any place else, there's a lot of anxiety among the comedians every month when they send in their new avails. Which, which spots am I going to get picked for? Will I get picked this week? So I think, I think people are afraid they're not going to get picked to perform here. And sure, of course. For, for good reason. This is this is the biggest and the best comedy club in the city. It's the Golden Chalice. So Thank so you. there's a lot of anxiety around it, and I can imagine too being the owner. These a lot of these people, your friends, you don't want to be involved in that anxiety and that fear and that stress that they have. Yeah, and I and I actually hate, you know, like some comedians. Keith's up there now. You can see him. Like Keith is my favorite because there's not a fucking, favorite comedian. Yeah, because because I'll tell you. What we, about Dan? No, I'll tell you why. Because Keith does not give a he shit. Give he a will, fuck. he will say to me exactly what he's feeling. He doesn't care what we'll fight. It doesn't matter. And I, you know, and and that's that makes me feel good. But from time to time, you can sniff a comedian who's laughing at your jokes a little bit too hard or, or yeah. whatever. And I, it, it's annoying. It, it kills me. It bothers me because I don't want them to do that. Because think, they think it's going to help them get a spot. It's not going to get the help help them get a spot. But also, there Keith is probably at it's definitely at different points in his in his career no, than many young up and coming Keith. comedians. Keith's always been that way, even to his detriment. Actually, <laughs> like here, it works not to his disadvantage. In his favor, yeah, or or to his favor, not to his favor, but it definitely doesn't hurt him. But in other contexts, it has, I'm sure, worked to his detriment. Um, but whatever. Like what? Like how? I, maybe he comes up. I don't. I don't want to. He's told me some stories over time. I don't want to um, get them wrong, but uh, he he doesn't give a shit. He'll just say to anybody whatever he's thinking, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and I like that here. So, well, I uh, uh, so, so so James wrote. I don't know if you saw it. James wrote a defense of Louis' um, recent Parkland uh, uh, Parkland shooting victims jokes and the trans jokes and whatever it is. Uh-huh. And he hung his hat largely on this work in progress argument you want to you want to yeah run it, well, run it, well, run it down well there was a couple of things one is i was basically responding to a lot of the different media that was sort of the anti-leaked tape of louis uh set yeah. one is that is is most important is that it's a work in progress i've we've all seen a lot more offensive comedy from top comedians when it's just a set you know, downstairs here or at Stand Up New York or anywhere, and they're just working through material. They're, they're Louis C.K. is at the beginning of maybe a year-long process of working through material. This this joke, he might do the exact same joke in five different ways at five different clubs while he figures out what's the best. By the way, everyone was saying the joke was not funny. Uh, everybody was laughing on the tape, and he didn't. It wasn't like he was making fun of the shootings. He was making fun. It, the people misunderstood the context because they just wanted to attack him context is that why are we choosing these people to be our media superstars when there's 7,500 deaths every day over many causes and there's a lot of causes where people should have a voice maybe give a voice to other people as well yeah well I didn't I didn't interpret it that way but I didn't hear the whole set I interpreted it as him saying 
just because you're the victim of something doesn't make you an expert on that topic. If my house got, uh, uh, say, blown away in a tornado, doesn't make me an expert on construction techniques. Right. So that's another point. Anthony Jeselnik. Or, or on tornado, tornado protection. Or on tornado yeah. protection. So, so like, look, look, look at Anthony Jeselnik's special thoughts and prayers. He says it's never too soon to make fun of a tragedy. Why? Because victims oh, are have, dealing with victim shit. They're not some, listening to a special. I have some good William Stevenson's jokes to tell you. I'm, I'm sure the comedians would just love that. Well, but that's personal to this place. It, that's right. The point is that the comedians talk a good game. But the fact is, if we did tell some William Stevenson's joke, William Stevenson is a comic who died this weekend. Unexpectedly. Kind of, unexpectedly, a feature here. All of a sudden, the comedians would have a little pang, at least a little pang of understanding, oh, you know what? It does. It is upsetting when somebody jokes about something that matters to you. A tragedy or whatever it is. Okay, yeah. but 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 no. When I no, of course they weren't in the room. He didn't expect any of the Parkland. Sure, it's not like the Parkland kids the were in there. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. But even I, so, I watched uh, and look. You could go to any comedian social, but I watched Louis tape part of Louis 2017 when he was performing at Madison Square Garden. He was it was one of the one of the shows he was doing it. Twenty thousand people there. The first joke was him saying, "All Jews can leave now." So, which of course got a lot of laughter from Jews, and you know we've been asked to leave a lot of places. We it didn't wasn't that offensive for him to ask us to leave the Madison Square Garden. Do you have? A, I mean, I have an, something to answer, but I want Rebecca. I want like her to talk more. Well, so. I never saw the tape because I feel like it, like in and of itself, the tape getting getting released was bad. Right. Like I think a comic needs to have a safe space in order to like do their thing or whatever. Um, so I don't, I, I just never listened to it. I don't really, I'm not going to presume like what the context is was for the jokes and all that stuff. I just, from what I've heard, it seems like he's done some wild, like way more offensive material besides that. Like, yeah, stuff, think about the maybe joke, uh, from, oh my God, where he, he basically concludes with, you know, slavery is bad, but maybe, and he gets into it. This is hugely I, I mean, uh, potential for, for co- I, I commentary. I have to say, I thought this... Listen, the most important point to me is I don't give a shit what he says. Like, like you could be... It's, I could be very offended at it, and, and so what? What does that mean? He shouldn't work? Like, I mean, who cares what, what he says? But I would have to say that this, this was... When he personalized it to a actual an actual victim and kind of made fun of that victim... And I said, oh, you, oh, you just pushed a fat kid in front of a bullet. Um, that, to me, sounded like actual bitterness. It didn't sound like when he says all Jews can leave, where clearly we know he doesn't mean anything like that. But, but there, there wasn't yeah. an actual victim that we know of that pushed a fat kid no, in front but, of a but bullet. He, but he re- re- was referring to this one actual kid, I guess oh. the one who was speaking in front of the Senate or Congress or whatever. And then he added to that, in any way, you just pushed a fat That wasn't even true. But he did, he actually talked about an, like, I feel like if he had just talked about the Parkland kids without actually talking about an actual living individual representative of them, it wouldn't have seemed as bitter. I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that fat kid remark was aimed at one particular Parkland I'll look it up survivor, but that it, it may be the case. But, 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 but I, I just want to add to that. Sorry, Dan, for interrupting. I just want to add, he concluded that sentence with, why don't we talk to the guy who electrocuted his parents instead? So clearly that he was leading up to an absurdist punchline because he's an absurdist. Yeah, so absurdist so, is a big part of it. I, I, I'd use that word a lot actually in talking about it. So sure. I, 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 J- Judd Apatow real- made a point on Twitter that I, and I'm loathe to, um, loathe to go toe-to-toe with Apatow because he gives me work, but uh, I do it in a nice, gentle way. But he on Twitter, Judd said that he felt that this was uncalled for. He accused... 
uh, the Parkland kids of pushing a fat kid in front of them. And I responded, that's not a real accusation. That's an absurd accusation that obviously never happened. You responded to Judd Apatow? That's right. What are you, nuts? <laughs> well, and then he wrote... Well, then he wrote something back, and and I let it go with Did, that. Was but it, you'll never work on crashing no, again? No, no. <laughs> um, Isn't it really dangerous when stuff I, starts to become, like, off-limits, though? Like, where does, that, where does that end? It's our new Booker, Periel, and, and, and by the way... And by the way, I was being absurdist about Judd. I don't think he'd care what you said. Go ahead. By the way, Periel is showing such an... I don't know if it'll last... A new broom it, sweeps good. A new broom sweeps good indeed. Thank I never you. heard that expression, That's but Yiddish. I think it's apropos here. Am I a broom in, this, in this scenario? Yes, you are. Is is really taking the bull by the horns. A, a new in vibrator a, buzzes hard. There in a major go. way. I like that better. Okay. I'm more comfortable with being a vibrator than a broom. It's a new relationship and 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 you know, it's 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 all new and wonderful and we'll see if it lasts, but Anyway, Periel, you had a point to make. My point is, is that I think it's really dangerous when you start saying, like, this is okay, but that's offensive. Like, where does that well, end? Well, you know, I think everybody's entitled to, uh, to their like, opinion as to what's offensive to them. But right. I'm loath to, loathe to, to, to say that a joke is just uh, beyond the pale in general. I can only say what jokes I would do and what jokes... I would find offense. Right, but, you know, but that's fine. But it's not like Parkland is off limits, but the Holocaust is okay. James, you say what? Well, to her point also is that we're talking about one thing, whether the joke's too offensive, but also a lot of the media was the joke wasn't funny. That Judd Apatow's tweet also was that, there, and to your point, that maybe there was too much anger in there and that it wasn't funny. But the, the proof is on the tape. Everybody, The entire club is laughing. So I but don't know. But to that point also, like nobody should have been listening to that tape because it should have never gone. I agree out. with that. But given that the tape's out there, it was a pleasure to listen to because I, I love listening to <laughs> it. I, I must say that when he said push the fat, that got a laugh out of me. And I mentioned this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. When he said, you, look, I didn't really think that, that those kids pushed a fat kid. But that idea, that notion, that absurd it's, image to me provoked a laugh. And don't forget, it was paired with just a few words later. Why not talk to the guy who electrocuted his parents? Well, I did. Which is clearly a I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that well, part. Can we move past it? So actually, a, a good friend of mine who is kind of well-known, but I don't want to say his name, is an intellectual. He said that the Parkland thing he thought was not offensive at all. He was not. He said, but the things that he said about Asians... Yeah, that I think that that was... Was more problematic, problematic in the politics yeah. of the day. Uh, we talk about Asian, Asian men are really women. They just have clits. Giant and they clits, run, not giant really clits penises. Yeah, so that might have been offensive, but also he was at a club... Doing a club set in Long Island, yeah. no less. No, but if you change it to blacks or Jews, uh, but what is wrong with being offensive suddenly? Like, isn't well, that the job? You know what? This is what kills me about you. If he, if Louis C.K. were making jokes like that and it was about black people, you would be saying this is fucked up. He shouldn't say it. But he did. He did make jokes about that about black people like in that, that set. Not, not, not quite like that. But, but, well, but the truth it, is. The Asian men haven't really been standing up for themselves on this. <laughs> well, <laughs> so he might have touched the, the truth. The, the, the Asians, <laughs> the Asians, you know, um, people make fun of them more easily. Just I a think. joke. Just a joke, Marina. What? Yeah, yeah, it's a good joke. Go ahead. <laughs> he's, work, he's working his material. I mean, it. I think one of the rules of comedy is that it's safer to make fun of Asians than it is to make fun of black people, and it and the and the probably the most unsafe group I would think are the Jews. I would. I would think that is the touchiest group to make fun of. No. Well, no. Blacks. But that totally not, not true. I don't know what the most... And honestly, uh, but, but, I but think it, that it's white people's reaction yeah, to to you. people making fun of black people that's really the... You know what I mean? It's not... I mean, I don't know. I've been in plenty of rooms that have 
I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if that's true or not. These are uh, gross but, generalizations. Yes, but they have validity. I think white uh, women are the most born problematic. Born out by 25 years. I agree with you, Rebecca. We get offended too often and too much. White women we are talk about definitively the worst. <laughs> these generalizations are born of 25 years of in-the-trenches stand-up, and there is validity to them. And the fact is the Asian-American community does not kick up a fuss and so it's easier just to kind of go after them because they generally don't get angry about it. And also the history of Asians in America is not nearly as brutal and horrifying as the history of black people in America. You know, it's not as sensitive. But, but also look at look at The Hangover, the movie The Hangover. I forget the actor's name, but they, they, he makes fun of himself. Which having one, Zach a, Galifianakis? No, no, the Asian guy. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. He makes Mr. fun He has no penis, basically, in, in that movie. So well, it's, it's okay not like this is a yourself. new joke. So I, I want to say it's amazing to me the, how many high IQ'd people. Uh-huh. Why are you uh, looking at me? Uh, no, no reason. You're the smartest one at the table. Uh, how many high IQ'd people don't understand that generalizing is not is something that people have to be able to do from time to time. It's you're generalizing because otherwise you can't describe, you can't talk discreetly about every incident on planet Earth. So you generalize. And smart people don't need the disclaimer to know that yes, it's not 100% of the time and there's exceptions and it's a curve and there's, you know, we get that. But there is a there are generalities in in this world and you know, it's okay to use them, I think. But, yeah, and also to the point that Okay, maybe we could debate all day whether that joke was was offensive, inoffensive, funny, not so funny. A, the crowd left. B, it should never have been leaked because it probably will never end up in a special of his, which is really what he's aiming for with all this, a special or a tour or whatever, and he's just working out his material. Well, I mean, I imagine you could go into the Deep South and hear a comedian killing, like killing, with some pretty, like, racist material. Sure. And it wouldn't be much of a defense to say, well, look, he was killing. Like, you know, it's still to that. But now I don't know if that's analogous here. I don't know if that Long Island audience can really be compared to that. But I mean, just because a particular audience is okay with something, I don't think it it bootstraps it like, well, therefore it's okay. Okay, but then what about the second part, which is that it's just trying out stuff. Maybe he's not... Up to speed on for him, he's getting back into practice about what he can do and what he can't do, where where the boundaries are, or maybe he just felt like doing it for this one club. He's never going to do it again. We just don't know what was on his mind for. Yeah, for we that. don't know. I, I my my feeling is that would you want to say something, Rebecca? I, I, I don't know. I don't. I I feel like like. I wish Candy came. I don't. I don't really feel like the issue is so much like whether his material was. Offensive. I think that he's handled his whatever this comeback situation is pretty poorly. And I think that this is just another example. It sucks that that tape got leaked. I completely agree. But maybe given the level of scrutiny that he continually finds himself under these days, he should have been a little bit more sensitive to the fact that people are going to try and make him out to be a villain and try and like twist his words and what have you. And but, but let's also you know say- what I mean? Like there's 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 a different way to handle it. Like he probably he probably is a little bitter. He's probably had a really rough couple fucking years. And he's probably pissed off and all of that stuff. But that's not really for any of us to say. I have no idea where that material is going or what he was thinking when he was talking into that microphone. He could have just been riffing. Who the fuck knows? None of that could have been written down. So, Do you know what I'm saying? So let, let's take an extreme case. Let's say he is a bad guy and his, he does, his job is not to be the world's philosopher of goodness. The job is just to he just wants to make a lot of money. Let's just take an extreme case. He could go he could go on the road probably today and make 
you know, twenty million dollars over the next year doing the exact same set on the road if it's not like leaked sets. So he's probably he could be thinking that way, just in terms of how am I going to sure. just get my career back? He says it on the, on the table. I lost thirty five million dollars. Maybe he just wants to make that back, and this is the way to do it. And it wasn't Bitcoin. It was <laughs> it's not true. Bitcoin. It was thirty five million <laughs> real dollars, <laughs> U.S. dollars. Fiat, well, fiat you know, I think I'm torn about whether he's handled this badly because there is something like there's something uh, that I. I kind of understand him saying, listen, it doesn't matter what I say. They're going to find something they hate That's me. correct. And, they're trying to villainize him. And if I can compartmentalize that, if, if, I, can, if I can live with that, I'll say, fuck this. I can sell out theaters and I don't need yeah. anybody. And I'm just going to go on and literally pretend it doesn't even exist. And that is the, that is the way I'm going to be serene and enjoy myself and get on with my life, not have to constantly figure, is this okay? Is that okay? How are they going to take this? How are they going to jump on and say, fuck it. I don't need a dollar from them. I don't need a single one of them to come see my show. I'm going to be myself. Well, and, I, and I kind of think that might be good and smart. Let me ask you, because yeah. you've seen him probably perform the most, or at least you've had him here the most out of any other club. Yeah. Has he reacted to any audience reaction that was negative? Yeah, it bothered. It, it, it's... He, he, he plows through it. it. It's disconcerting to him. It is. He does, he, he's not, he's not um, without feelings, you know. But, uh, like, one time I was here, and you told me he was going to perform, and I went downstairs to watch him perform. The next day, the New York Post, just, I felt like flat out lied and said uh, people were booing Upset, and yeah. walking out. Yeah. And I was there. Everyone was laughing and having a fun time. The, pa- the papers have been unbelievably dishonest. Every step of the way, I had like, that same experience here. I saw him not that long ago. I mean, and so the many whole things. room was cracking up, and then there was something in the paper the next day. That well, did he do multiple shows that night so that the show that you saw was not the show they were writing? No, no, about? no. I, I remember that. It was they, they do it. It was they, that show that they were writing about. Look, they, they, when when we had two protesters show up. The headline was "Protesters Descend on the Comedy Cell." <laughs> I mean, this is like this is crazy talk, you know. And it was just like one woman with oh, a magic marker sign, and, and, and someone else who saw her. Oh, I, I pay and, them and, to come here. <laughs> but but, but Noam, yeah. have you found the old adage of any publicity is good publicity? Have you found that to be true in this case? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I, it pro- it probably, it's hard to quantify. It probably is true. I live in that camp. As a writer, I do think that any good publicity is good publicity. You say, I mean, any, any, any publicity. publicity. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're I, I goal, don't know. Because you look yeah. at, like, Louis C.K. is a great example where he had some publicity and he okay. lost $35 million well, from yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. He's going to be fine. Okay. It bears His kids me, will eat. It bears on me personally, and I get not, paranoid. Like, I'm having my, my son, Manny, um, his, 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 well, I hope not here, but at school, there's someone who's treating him a little coldly. And I, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, you know, does this woman, like one of these people who oh, knows no. about his dad? Nope. This, but this is real because I was at a birthday party sure. once and he overheard some of the parents whispering about me. And I have had people attack me on Facebook about my kids. Whatever. It's like, so that's, yeah, that's that. like, like that's, that's what's creepy about all this. So, you know, it's not just about business. It's about the, the stuff that's uh, affecting But that, life. that... That's true, yeah. but you're a public figure because you run But this I wasn't. Place. I wasn't until this happened. Until, right, and I never but, wanted to be. But still, this is the, you know, again, the biggest club in New York. Louis C.K. performs here. Yeah. You, that makes you automatically, pe- some people are going to hate you. Most people, 
you'll hear from the vocal minority. They're yeah. the they're the yeah. loudest people, the ones who hate you. Yeah. The ninety nine percent that They'll either don't get, give a shit or or like you, you don't yeah. hear from them. They yeah. they are normal people doing normal things. Yeah. And then the minority, they're like the type of people who leave comments on YouTube videos. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, just like just going through it a little bit. Like gives me a sympathy for Louie and what he's sure. going through, despite whether he deserves it, whatever you know, whatever you think about what he did, whatever, but just like like people don't people really have no concept. I I have a, the slightest concept of what it means to become a public pariah and to be attacked. And like some some of the people who work for me, waitresses, have been on the subway with their comedy seller t shirts and they've been accosted on the subway. Yeah. How could you work for that sexist blah, 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 blah? And they're like, oh, you know, they don't know what, even know what to say. But I think that's a societal thing. Like, why is everyone so angry these days that, that, that waitresses are being accosted on subways? I, that's, I don't know. It's well, a, I mean, I we think people, people like to have something to get, like, riled up about. Like, sure, it's bullshit. Like, There's no accountability whatsoever. It's like you can say whatever you want because you're saying it from, like, Twitter you're saying or it Facebook anonymously. or yeah. right. Instagram. And then, like, you're, you get to be outraged and then you just move on to the next thing. Like, nobody's actually doing anything. They're just like... Well, but no one was saying they're non-anonymous... Uh, uh, you know, that's, hearth, di- that's different, though. What he's talking about. Yeah, most of it is not has not most of what I've got has not been anonymous. No. So what? What other? What are the other hot cl- uh, topics in comedy well, I, club? I had a, I had a question for these yeah. two comedy club owners about what is the perception? I don't know if you uh, of the comedy seller. Are you? Is there any resentment? Like, how the fuck does <laughs> this guy sell out nine hundred? I mean, because I, no one. Let's be honest about it. The comedy seller is dominant. <laughs> In a pretty <laughs> spectacular way, right now. Yeah, out of with, without uh, question. You know, I mean, it is. It's the Golden Chalice. It it's the like, best club in the it city. It is like it's Amy the best Schumer. Club on the East Coast. It's the best club in, the, in I America. I wish you wouldn't talk about that, but go ahead. Right. It is like Amy Schumer versus the rest of us. <laughs> you know, uh, in the comedy club world. But well, it's different. I don't feel like we. Do you really feel Amy Schumer is your number one competitor? <laughs> I no. I in terms of like Sorry. the, the, the <laughs> I don't okay. feel she's a competitor at all. I feel like we're both comics, and I use Amy Schumer. I don't mean Amy Schumer. I mean the, the the few, the relatively few comics that make twenty million a year, and the rest of us that are scraping by. The disparity is vast, whether you feel it's deserved or undeserved. I'm just making a comparison between the seller and the other clubs right now. And Noam doesn't want me to talk about this, but it's because I mean, because I don't because I can imagine like like first of all, it is what it is. Whatever it is, you know, you, you could probably just be. Chalked up to location, location, location. But, but I, whatever I, I, it is, I'm not saying you're a genius. Know, I don't want to bring people. It's just go ahead. But I, well, I think it's interesting. <laughs> no, I. I agree. Was, so how are you perceiving? No, do you think yourself that fucking dwarman is selling shows at, or you're like I'm happy for him and I do what I do? Well, I asked Noam this on my podcast, and look at the foot traffic outside versus the foot traffic on the middle of the block on 78th Street in the Upper West Side. So there is something to be said for a location, and then you had reputational stuff like. The show Louie, which was an excellent show, is Comedy Cellars, you know, the main club. People take pictures, like, that's the Comedy Cellar. Like, they take pictures outside, they don't even come in sometimes, and it's a famous place. You dream of taking Noam down, is the point I'm trying to make. No, no, there's no point in that. Uh, I, I like the Comedy Cellar far away from Stand Up New York. Rebecca Trent, you say what? I love Noam, I love this club. There's... No comparison course, to what I do and what he does. Like, it's just not the same thing. Can we talk about <laughs> William Stevenson? Yes, please. Okay. So, um, who would like to, to run that uh, down? Well, I'll, I, with, the comedy seller has lost a very yeah. integral part yeah. of, and the comedy world uh, yes. has lost a very integral part of our, our, of our uh, community. William Stevenson, who, if you've been to the comedy seller, you've almost surely seen him because he's been 
am seeing here regularly for literally decades, decades. now. Uh, and he died suddenly um, just uh, over the weekend. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, we, we, uh, uh, it's a big... Uh, I must say, for me, of, and, uh, there's been a lot of death in the comedy world over the past, you know, decade or so. For me, this one is 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 more painful than most of them because I've worked with him so often, and he's probably brought me on stage conservatively two hundred times, which isn't even that much, you know, uh, compared to other comics, I imagine. So it's just going to be very different for me. The 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 comedy seller experience is forever changed uh, as a result. So you know, that's yeah, what, that's what I, I have to would, say about that. I would agree completely. I'm going to miss him terribly. Um, William was also my poker buddy, and he's uh, one of the things that, <clears throat> that I mean, he loved comedy, obviously, but playing poker was probably his second favorite thing to, or third favorite thing to do in the world, and uh, he was a really great player, and we had our last game with him last Tuesday, and uh, I mean, obviously, everybody was terribly shocked by everything, um, and... Uh, I don't know, are you guys going to do some sort of tribute for him or, or put uh, something up on the wall? Or have you guys talked about that yet? Well, we have something up on the website, and I, and I think that... Uh, I'll be honest, yeah, we, we, we talked about some kind of plaque, and we also... I just... Eddie Brill, I think, like an Started hour... Started the GoFundMe? No, wants to do a, a, an event here on Saturday, this Saturday or next Saturday afternoon. I guess the details will come out when, when, it, when it's finalized. Awesome. Um, did you know him at all, James? I've only seen him on the stage here, yeah. so it's been a uh, very... Fascinating to hear all the stories, and obviously it's very sad. But I, he was I only sixty-one. Him. It was just—it's yeah. just so fucking shocking. Now, now you play poker with him, and so you have an actual friendship with him. Um, I—I had a prickly relationship with him. He's a prickly pair. Uh, no, but oh, like I, I always felt like I, to him, I was the the Jewish club owner in in Mo Better Blues, you know, the Spike Lee movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and, and I felt like I could never get get past that with him and because because i had a whole history with him uh in the cafe wow on, on a music night he used to host so in the, in the early 90s we we started this funk night mm-hmm. which actually started a whole funk revival throughout the country it became very very famous and like madonna was coming down and mike tyson all the a-list celebrities at the time we sold out literally like five weeks in advance and reservation wow. it was very very famous and william was the mc and a huge like a huge part of it sure and so we were fighting all the time. It was just, it was just, it was just constant fighting, and and we never ever um, had like this, a smooth relationship. Last conversation I had with him is he he wanted a raise, and I I raised the the MC pay. So um, you know he he got he, he got his last licks in because we're stuck. We're That's still awesome. stuck with that rate no, of you're pay. Stuck with the pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so so I am I I, I joke. So of course it's it's difficult when somebody that's part of the fabric of your life dies. Sure. But not every death affects everybody the same. The same as it shouldn't, because you, you, otherwise. Otherwise, nobody's special. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody's special. Exactly. And I when I read the Facebook posts. I can't help but my mind being like contrary. I'm like, do these people really all like feel as deeply as they say? Like all the talks, all the buzz about how he's the nicest guy, the kindest guy. No, that ever- was blowing my mind. I read. Like, what so are we going to say when posts. Ryan Hamilton dies? Like- right, <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> it was. I what thought that left? was insane. I mean, like I, I referred to him as grumpy and irascible. I mean, Tom Ted Alexandro put up a, a really good, heartfelt. I know J.R. Havlin, who is who. I mean, they were besties. He. Um, I just put up a I'm gonna miss you buddy and, and was wearing the William shirt 
and and you know some of those tributes were really beautiful and heartfelt and some of them the people literally people stopped and went online and went I never knew you I'm sorry you're gone it's like why are you well, wasting yeah. I think when it's anybody ridiculous. dies with the social media has created this sort of race to be the the the, the grieving widow and everybody yeah. wants the attention and and the uh, sorry for your losses and everybody wants to make it about them many people are sincere Ted Alexandro is always has nice things to say in these in these times. Yeah. Some people just want attention for themselves. Some people want both. I, you know, I mean, I think we all maybe get a, you know, anything I post on Facebook is designed at least in part to bring attention to me. I'm not going to say <laughs> it's completely because you know I want to bestow wisdom. Um, I I felt like well, I, was, I felt a lot of pressure on me to post something on Facebook yeah. about him. And I didn't because I said, I'm, I don't want to succumb to that pressure. I waited a day because I'm not as close with him as so many other people were. Yeah. And we put up on with the marquee at the creek. I saw has, that. It was has, nice. it's, it's, it has his name on it. And we'll leave it up there for the no, week. But what did it say? It was nice. It, it was uh, Rest in Funk and Annie Up. William yeah, I thought that was great. Did you write that? Yeah. That was yeah. great. Who came up with Rest in Funk? Because I've heard a lot of people say Rest in Funk. Dean Edwards wrote Rest in Funk on his Instagram feed. Uh, I don't know. I think everybody just sort of put together they love funk music so much, and he that's loved it. and that's how people that's, that's what people refer to him, you know. And he was very musically talented. I don't know if you ever like. Oh he yeah, put, like he, he really was. He, he was a special guy, you know. And, yeah, he, he, was. and he was. He was a great speller, by the way. Did you know? I, told, I, I didn't right, know that. Right before we went on air, I told her how much how terrible I am at spelling. William was a great speller. Huh. Yeah, it's one of the one of his talents. So, but and then you know whenever anybody dies, I think I think. Uh, you can't help but you think about your own mortality. That's a sure. big, I think that's a big part of the reservoir of grief is that you just start thinking about when you're going to die yourself. And one of the things I always think about, and I, I had said that when people ask me how I felt, I said, I'm, I'm very sad about William. And I, I think I'm a little bit sadder than he would be if the roles were reversed. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, which makes me, and, and I believe that. And I believe he'll be and sad I, if I, I died. I, I, I know he would have right. been. And I, I think, think I'm even sadder for him. I think that's accurate. I would guess, if I had to guess. Yeah. You know, uh, just a couple of months ago, Marina had said to William, hey, you know, you should take care of yourself. Uh, you know, I mean, your health, you know. And he said something to the effect of, hey, when it's your time, it's your time. Uh, he, see, that's he, very sad. He, he, but he was all, you know, the, the couple of times that this kind of stuff came up. And I also remember one time he, he mentioned that he never thought he'd live as long as, as he had already lived into his 60s. So I don't think that he had any fear of death, and I don't think that he would have felt uh, that he got robbed in any way. I think if, if he could say anything to us, it would probably be, hey, it's, it's cool, man, you know, I... I got my 61 years in, and I had a good time. See, if we were the Howard Stern show, they would actually have a, a William Stevenson <laughs> character. That, but, <laughs> with, uh, with, you know, with well, without trying to get too dramatic, I really do think that that's what he would say. I, uh, I don't know. You know, there was he, something else I heard. I don't know if you, uh, Esty was telling me this. Like, in the last three or four months, he seemed to have a new, new optimistic, positive vibe about him. And I remember on New Year's Eve... He came in really dressed beautifully, which was not like a three-piece suit, which was not like him. And, and he's been like lately been, hey, how you doing? And bye. And so I don't know how, if that coincidence, that plays into That's it in any way. And all that positivity bullshit. <laughs> Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. <laughs> but I do, I think he had a sense that he was, I, 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 the, the sense that I got is that he thought that he was living on borrowed time and that, that you know, he wasn't going to go on. You know, uh, uh, forever. forever. 
because he explicitly said, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think I'd go this far. But, well, we, and and people don't take care. Listen, you know, she and I, Periel and I, this is just coming to my mind now. I hope I don't step in it. But we were talking about this statistic of um, foreshadowing uh, of uh, how uh, infant mortality is much whatever. But the, I'm going to step in it. Point is this. I'm so ready. Um, comedians don't take care of themselves. And, you know, I'm not even going to step. Well, why that. not? That's an interesting topic, and I think you're right. I mean, I don't, I don't work in any other businesses, so I don't know what the, the mortality rate is. But uh, it seems to me that there's just been an awful lot of comedians dying over the past years, as I've mentioned. And, and you know... Well, but, but Patrice and uh, um, uh, Todd Lynn and William... As opposed to Geraldo, who was on drugs or whatever it is, like these were with, with three kids, they really weren't taking care of themselves, you know. And um, that's a very sad aspect of this lifestyle. Now they were all three black, and I don't know if that's just a statistical noise or there's something uh, about the black experience which which makes that more likely, or they're more likely to have health problems. I have no idea, but I am struck by you can't help it. Anybody who I mean, the world pretends they don't think this way, but I am struck by the fact that three black comedians dropped dead very, very young in the last, you know, number I've of years. I've told you that. Yeah, so what, what did you tell me? Put it in your mouth. Go ahead. That the health care that is available to black Americans is abysmal. Right, I know that. But this was these are people who were not taking care of themselves. That, I mean, that, that factors into it, too. No, I wonder where these touring comedians, because I imagine, like, nope. when you go on tour, well, sure, yeah. there's a lot more physical uh, pressure physical on you. Physical toll gets taken on yeah. you for travel and all that, You've too. You've got to have energy well, to Patrice stay in toured, shape. Patrice had diabetes, and I don't know the details oh. of Patrice's <clears throat> life so much, but he, he, had, he also had money. He wasn't. He wasn't. He had access to healthcare. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't know the details of all of it. It's just, it's just sad to see. And and you see when you see somebody who's, um, you know, just not taking care of themselves. You don't know what to make of that. Well, a lot of us are single, um, and uh, you, we right. don't have women Is around that an to take advertisement. <laughs> no, but he's he's making a point. Like he, they don't have a family to take care of themselves for. They they're they're a lot of them are single. They travel alone. They have access to gas station food most of the time like it's not it's not quite the romantic and, private and, and, and jet and lifestyle and there's a lot of mental illness there's a lot of depression self-medicating uh, a lot of just uh, yeah, but William don't, don't, but just, this is don't, really taking think that, a dark turn but, you guys well it's, it's talking about somebody die. dying what did you expect but but uh, William William was not I mean William smoked weed but he was not uh, he never drank or he wasn't he wasn't self-medicating as far as well I, I'm I, just I, talking yeah. about comics in general oh, yeah. I we, think we if, if there is I wasn't talking about William if there is a higher death rate amongst comics I I think there's a lot of explanations, a lot of places we can go to find the explanation. But uh, I, think you, I think you can also find a lot of comics who work out regularly, right? I'm sure you know plenty. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if that's you an can addiction make a too. That can make your heart explode too. No, most of them. Most of them work out. You're right. I mean, who Sebastian Maniscalco sold out Radio City Music Hall this week, right? So that guy in his book talks about working out all the time. You can see it, and he's like, yeah, he's ripped. Yeah, he he never he never comes here. Have you ever? Has That's he ever he's, been? He's represented by Levity, and they're involved with Gotham. So I think he spends most of his time there. That's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. Uh, other uh, people represented by Levity will come in here, but no, I, I, he's never been here, as far as I know. And he's—I wish he would. He's terrific. He is. He's really. He's good. amazing. Yeah. All right. What uh, else? There. What, what else? So what well, are the other topics well, in comedy in comedy club world? 
in the in the comedy club. I don't know how are things going at Stand Up New York. I mean, uh, you come here, we talk about Louis, but but I, we haven't heard much about. He's performing every night at Stand Up New York. Well, I, every uh, night you're on. No, are you, no. Are you oh, killing? Oh, I, I don't want to say one way or the other. I have to ask someone who sees me, but I go up maybe between three and six times a week. So it's oh, wow. not like it's not like I'm going up seven do times a night. Do they pay you spot pay when you go up? No, I don't. I don't do I take any pay, which is probably why they like putting me up. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I have a fun time, and hopefully the audience has a fun time as well. So, are you writing I mean, I, like I, every day? And I, I I I write every day. I watch the I videotape myself every time. I watch the the video over and over. I watch the videos of other comedians. So now, your daughter's here. I take here. it seriously. Have you seen your dad perform stand-up comedy? You're, you're welcome to come Thumbs on the mic. Up. On a scale of one to ten, you can come on the you mic can, if you you'd can, like. You can tell the truth. She's a theater major, uh, so she's used to speaking uh, in on public. On a scale of <laughs> one to uh, Chris Rock, do you want to come on the mic? Do you want to come on the mic? Do you want to come on the mic? And give us a come on, come on. Let's give us a rundown of your dad's stand-up. Uh, this is Mo- Molly Altucher. Is that your name, Josie? And Josie. I make fun of her quite a bit in my act. Josie, so. that's what I want. You know, when my wife, our last child, when we thought it might be a girl, I wanted to name her Josie. What, what's uh, what's your? How old are you? Um, I'm 19. And you're in college? Yeah. Where are you going to college? Dickinson College. Dickinson College. And <laughs> She's going to college against my will. Like, I did not want her to go to college. She's rebelling against me by going to college. Are you paying for it? That's hilarious. I am paying for no, it, yeah. Because, quite, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want her to... I didn't want to be a sore point in therapy 20 years from now for her, so... What, well, what are you if you can in? afford it, it's a fun time. She's having fun, I'm sure, and, yeah. and going to parties and doing what college students do. I didn't do those things in college. I was a bit of a uh, a bit of a lone wolf, not by my, uh, but uh, you know, not by choice. But but I'm sure you're having fun. <laughs> yes. So t- tell us about your dad's stand-up comedy. Does he talk about his kids at all in his act? Um, sometimes, sometimes he he doesn't talk too much about my little sister or nothing. Sometimes me, he knows I. She can take I it. Josie can take it. <laughs> I can do it. But, um, Molly would cry. <laughs> he does well. It, de- it depends on the night, on the crowd. There's a lot of, I, th- I feel like, variables that like every comedian faces. Have you yeah. ever seen him bomb? Um, I've seen audience members get a little iffy with some topics. <laughs> <laughs> like what topic? It was, I think, it was, it was his Hitler joke. Oh, I, have, I, have, I have a couple Hitler oh jokes. Oh my goodness! Everybody's got to have a Hitler joke. Everybody has a Hitler joke. <laughs> yeah. That's a Hitler sort of a subgenre in stand-up comedy, and and uh, and most of us have a Hitler joke. I have one myself. What's yours, Dan? <laughs> Mine was when Hitler was born. Everybody said it's a boy, and and a girl probably would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in retrospect. In retrospect, but. Um, and also, another thing I said was when they named him Adolf, and all the neighbors said, Oh, Adolf, that's a name that is evergreen. It will never go out of style. <laughs> that's Which funny. I, I thought it was funny, but <laughs> didn't get a huge response here at the table. But in any case, <laughs> that was a lot. So, so uh, Hitler, Hitler is, a, is, a, is a big genre, uh, and Nazis in general. How, do you, how, how, how could it not be, obviously? So, so how, do you, how does it feel? Like, how do you explain your dad buying a club and going? Like, like, what, does that, what does that feel like? Um, it, I usually don't explain it. <laughs> I avoid it. <laughs> no. Um, it's, it's cool. I, or, she, you know, she's so nice and normal. She, she like, <laughs> reminds me of like Marilyn Munster. She, like, she, like, like, like the totally right. normal, untouched one. I know. Like, I can't believe she, it. Well, were you, were you the main, um, the main person in her life growing up or was that your, the no, baby's no, mama? I, yeah, her, I mean, I see her a lot, but her mother, her mother and I are divorced and her mother has raised her into a, a, a nice young Little adult. <laughs> how, she how old were you when, you when they were divorced? 
Um, uh, like, like nine. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough age. That's a yeah. tough age. I, I was five, I think, when my parents separated. Yeah. Mm. I was 30. <laughs> you were 30. I was. All right. So anyway, you, did, you get, did you come up with a number? Your dad is a... Oh, um, I'd say a solid... He's, he's around a seven or eight. Wow. I think so. There you go. Maybe you should I come start performing here. I, I, I make her laugh. I, I don't consider it a good Are you going to send Noma tape? We use some solid sixes from time to time. I, I, I'll send Noma tape when I feel like I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I'm, I accurately... I don't want to push myself, but uh, I don't consider it a good set unless I make Josie laugh. So Aww. that's, that's, so that's my... Whenever she comes... She's the only one well, in the what, audience for me. Well, what if Josie's laughing and the rest of the crowd is like, get off! I don't care. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Now, Rebecca's quite funny on Facebook. Do you ever, do you ever think of going on? Have you done on done time? Oh, I, um, sometimes for the roasts, I'll go on the dais and, and I'll do like the, like the actual, like, roasts. You but, will. But that's And you write your own material and do it? Yeah, because I, I feel like I have to let myself be there to get made fun of. If we're gonna have a roast of somebody that they need to make, I need to be fair game inside of that. So I, I used, I used to, but we haven't done a roast in quite some time. You could not get me on stage to do a minute I, of stand-up comedy. I would die. There, it's, it's nerve-wracking. You know, it's funny because <laughs> I went to um, a Q and A session with uh, about Mar the marvelous Mrs. Mizell and Rachel Brosnahan was there, and so as they were leaving, I said to her, "Hey, if you ever want to." Do stand up at Stand Up New York, <laughs> stop by. And she said, and she's playing a comedian, she says, oh no, I would never, yeah. I'd be too terrified to do stand up. So it, it's a, it's, it's a it's special. Terrifying. Yeah. And I still get terrified. Like, just last night I was performing for 700 insurance people at a conference in uh, Arizona. That's terrifying I cannot by itself. Imagine that. <laughs> and it's particularly horrifying because these corporate audiences, you know, doing a private show for a corporation, they're not comedy fans and they're not necessarily there for a comedy show. They're but they there do for a conference. Laugh. They do want to laugh, though. Well, I, some I can't, of them don't. Some of them may not, and 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 in that environment, it gets touchy because you know it's always you always got to be cleaner and more politically correct for a corporate audience, and right. it's it's tricky. But it pays well, so I do them. And because when I on balance, I prefer to do them than to do a whole weekend at a club for less money. Do do have you ever done a corporate event where you totally bombed, like nobody laughed for like forty minutes? No, I don't. I don't think it's. But I, you still I, get the check at the end anyway. Yeah, so it but doesn't really you do matter. Get, it does matter because your self-esteem hurts your soul. Uh, <laughs> comedians, generally speaking, are only as happy as their last set went. Sure. And that's certainly the case with me. So if it, if it, I'll take the check and I'll cash it. But it, it will. <laughs> It'll hurt. It hurts and it feels horrible and you feel like, what am I doing? And 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 so you, you really your self-esteem takes a wallop. When that happens, but in terms of the level of bombing you're describing, no, I, that hasn't. Knock on wood. With some wood here, I, yes, I am that superstitious. Knock on wood. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, wait, wait, wait. How much more time? Do you want to just quickly talk about the Gillette? Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know about the Gillette thing. I didn't well, watch I mean, it. I mean, I've heard about it. Well, Gillette had a commercial um, where they, you know, they're talking about how men need to behave better, and when men don't behave, other men need to step up. I don't know what this has to do with shaving, by the way. But uh, this is the new thing. Uh, Neither did anybody <laughs> else. I think that was but, part but, of the problem. But um, so anyway, it's basically saying men should call out other men that don't treat women with respect. And I, I agree uh, with that. Well, it's certainly not uncontroversial. However, there's two issues that people seem to have a problem with from what I have gathered. is Number one is basically um, exaggerating the extent to which men are assholes. Ah. Uh. And number two, all the men that were 
I think all the I have to rewatch according to Ann Coulter, and I'm not I'm not oh, saying that's God, a good, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that's a great source, but I, and I according she to Ann Coulter, you and told did you just make a masturbation? Uh, I did. Sorry, it was <laughs> a but I have joke. I haven't actually seen the commercial that all the men, all the people that were being rude to women, were white men, and and all the. Um, so maybe also white the, men are also the problem, they, too. But also, they were all tall, and all the kind of beta males in the commercial were small. <laughs> so there was kind of a tallism aspect, too. I gotta, nobody I brings that up. Commercial. I'm just making that well, up. Well, that, I don't know if that's the case. What, what that is the case. Did you, see, you haven't seen the I commercial. I didn't see the commercial. But you do, you do a problem with white men, though. Do I? <laughs> Not, okay. and shouldn't everybody? <laughs> no. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, They're kind of problematic. As opposed to which men? I mean, not as opposed to anything. Well, then why, then why white? Because they're the ones who are most powerful. Are they? Are they the ones? Yeah, uh, they are. Of course they are. Are they the ones have, committing any, most of the murders? Has, has anybody I've, looked at statistics? I think, I think, I think numbers-wise, you could probably say it's, it's definitely on the white guy's side as far as, like, history. The most people being killed, probably or, white guys win if it's going to be broken make, down by race. Uh, I mean, that, slavery? Uh, hello? Okay, but you're... Are you saying that people people today that are the same color or somebody started, who did something I know, bad? I always But you know what? This, but this is, this, this, this is, this is this an is ongoing... Well, this, this is because I, I thought that certain concepts were beyond even arguing about anymore in 2019. One of, them, one of them I would think would just be done with already is that the idea that because you're the same color as somebody who lived in history that did something, this is somehow relevant to you and how I can judge you or I can talk about you. That is so absolutely absurd. A, a nursery school child could be explained that and they'd be like, yeah, of course. Yet, people will still bring up, like, like they did it about Louis, like they will attack me because I'm white. And they would say, well, why are you hating me because I'm white? How about slavery? Uh, that's oh, not. Don't well, twist yeah, my I mean, words. That's no, not no, what but, I but said. Then that's the logic. Never mind. No, never that's mind not that what I said. If, even, that even is if I, not but, what but I said. But never mind that. Even if we were to use that logic, but I'm Jewish, so I like. <laughs> but that's not the logic I'm using. Anyway, whatever. But what is the logic? We're talking, we're talking about sexual uh, misconduct. Saying that wh white men are more responsible for it. White men are probably the worst. How? Because of slavery. We brought slavery into it, so it's got to be no, relevant. No, no, no. You said. You said who has committed most of no, the said, murders? I said, who, you said you said they have the most power. I said do they commit most of the murders? They, right. You believe that per capita they're committing? I don't know. Do, I don't. So I don't I, that's the thing is like it's possible to generalize, but when you if you try to slice we're the statistics, wrapping it all around now there's other to ways to slice the statistics. But we statistics. know pretty much to the contrary that like in in ethnic communities, like you think that women are like elevated in Chinatown, like from with immigrants from Asia or in. Um, in uh, when they come directly from the countries where they still have honor killings, you think like when, once they hit the shores here, like they're treating those women like golden. You, the, the, you notice that, like, I mean, what the hell kind of? I guess it's bigotry. Have you adopted that you that actually think that rich. white men are somehow particularly bad to women as opposed to like I didn't black that, men? I didn't say or, that they were particularly bad. Then to why women? bring up the fact that they're white? Because, why not just say men? Because. There is a system in place. Uh, that you don't know because you're not even really going to have the conversation with me. You already made your it's decision. Ridiculous. It's not ridiculous at it's all. It's ridiculous to bring up that point. I don't think it is. When you want to talk about any 
con- anything under the sun, and you want like let's talk about that's not true. There's a history. Let's talk about uh, bad bank loans. Like uh, let's talk about car salesmen that induce no. people to with, with lies about the Simonizing. It's not a real conversation. Oh, it's mostly white men, isn't it? Yeah, you know, because the system in play. It's you could bring it into anything. I will say that Gillette uh, is a good product. Getting back to Gillette, <laughs> I, I myself use the sensor. And the, by the way, the ad was a great ad. Was it a good so, ad? Why, yeah, why was, was it a, a good ad? Though? Because it makes you, uh, even though... Does it make me want to buy a Gillette razor? No, no, it's exploitative in every possible way that advertisers should do. And they, they did their job. They make you kind of feel an emotion at the end. And look, here we are talking Everybody's about Everybody's talking about it. Which exactly. is a job. Publicity is good publicity. You started but, but, saying that. But yes, I suppose so. But it's been a conversation in, you know, across the news and social right. media, this ad. The, the, the meta conversation about the ad has been happening. Right, and so that's their job. Question. Were you raised to not cry? Was I raised? Were no. You told I, don't I, cry, I, be like a man. No, I was, never, I was to never told to not cry. Were you raised to not cry? No. No, I wasn't either. They, 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 I read about this as like, like, oh, men are always told as kids never to cry and be tough. I'm like, well, I'm sure some people are, but I, I don't. Yeah, my father definitely treated my brother that way. I yeah. feel like that's Without also question. a Jewish thing, though. I don't know if you're Jewish, James, or there not. There you go again. Yeah, well, you know, do. You know damn well. Jews, you know damn well. Jews you cry. Do. Jews cry. I don't. I really do. I think that if you want to make generalizations, cultural generalizations, I don't think that that's true of. Jews. I don't think Jewish parents tell their kids, you have to be tough. Like, that's not really our thing. No, you know what my father tell me? You fight back with your words. Exactly. It's <laughs> the worst advice I ever got. So let me ask you then. So do you believe in the concept that toxic masculinity is bad for, is, is hurting uh, men? Well, what does toxic masculinity mean? Of course mean? I do. Well, well, what what, what does it mean? Well, so so, so therefore, I guess... You believe that go. Jews, so, so you don't believe that the way they're raised is causing the toxic masculinity, because then you would have to believe that Jews have less of it. Jews have less toxic masculinity. No, no, no. Is that a question? Wait, no. is there, is there a toxic- I feel like a trap is being set here. No, the question is, do you think the way their men are being raised is leading to that toxic masculinity? I think that that's certainly probably part of it, yes. Right, so well, then what's- Jews ought to have less than others, because they're not being raised that way. Do Jews have less toxic masculinity than others? So you're also an attorney, which nobody uh, sort of says. I'm curious. I'm curious. What is like? What's I do toxic? actually a little bit. I do think that there might be a little bit less Jewish uh, toxic masculinity in Jewish guys. But there's a lot of there's there's a lot of good masculinity. <laughs> sure. There's what, a lot what, of any yeah, well, that, any masculinity. That's in what about, that's but that's what, fine. What, nobody's what, saying what, that's what, not true. What about toxic annoyingness? What's toxic femininity? Is there such a thing? Of course. There is. So what? What's that? Like, how do we? Yeah, we, what's the we had this conversation it's those earlier. Pink fucking pussy hats. That's toxic femininity. Really, I think it's chicks that walk around with dogs in their purses. But that too. Whatever. Agreed. I'm with you. That too. No, that's, that's, that's not toxic femininity. The concept of toxic. What is toxic femininity? Well, okay. No. What does the word toxic in toxic masculinity mean? It means it, it means it's toxic bad, for society. It's bad for society. It's it's bad for everyone. I don't know what it means. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what it means because I mean, can I, you put the concept of, into words? There's all types of people in every race, color, gender. So you're sure there's bad people in every in every scenario? No, but it's not that. I think that it is some internalized um, thing that we teach little boys, starting when they're little boys, that they have to be a certain way. The goyim teach them. Not the Jews. Not the Jews. And they teach men that they have to be tough 
and they're not allowed to feel things and, and they're, they're not, not allowed, allowed to, cry. to cry. I heard a woman and who, everything that's feminine is faggy. That's right, and, and it yeah. winds up being really detrimental to b- both the man himself and then how he relates to other people and also women. Other am people I, and I, also women. But you know, look at look at Hollywood where kind of this Me Too movement started and a lot of the first Me Too accusations were made against Jews. Were they had did they have toxic masculinity or was it casting couch masculinity? Like that's why I don't really understand the phrase. I feel there's too much too much nuance in it. Well, Noam told me in the beginning that anybody can understand that with the generalization there's always like dips and exceptions. So it doesn't mean that Jew Jewish men, I mean, I would say that Harvey Weinstein is a prime example of somebody who suffers from toxic masculinity. So it doesn't mean that Jews can't have it, but I think that I'm not saying he's a good guy. I just no, think no, I, I didn't it's just think hard to understand were... the phrase because, like, then again, what's toxic femininity? I, I, we couldn't even agree on that. But we didn't even get there but yet. But don't we also have the feeling somehow that if Harvey Weinstein looked like Brad Pitt? He wouldn't have been doing this stuff. Like it's it's kind of like the the, the absence of toxic of real so the like problem is that Harvey wasn't hot but well that, that he was that is yeah that he's like an ugly frumpy old Jewish like, guy how dare you mm. think you could stick that in me like, like that no, that, of, that, no, that he would like no. like Chris Rock had that whole routine during the Clarence Thomas thing where like if if, if Clarence Thomas looked like Denzel Washington Anita Hill would be like oh Denzel you know like, I mean that's very <laughs> funny but the truth is is that there are a lot of really good looking guys who um, do horrible things right I, yes, I, I, I don't, yeah. don't think that but the Harvey Weinstein thing was like I, I mean I don't know I don't know it just seems he it, it just seems to sometimes a, a person's behavior does seem to fit with their outward appearance there's something about the Weinstein stories and then you look at that picture on you've never seen it and you don't say like I can't believe he looked I never pictured him to look like but, that but he kind of looks like what now that may not be fair no no you're right that's but, true but, but I, I, think, I think the danger though is generalizing and saying all people let's say raised a certain way we should not listen to them as much because but nobody's they might be toxic. That. Oh, but, but you guys mentioned, oh, people raised in, in this type of atmosphere, don't cry, be tough, this, that. Yeah. I don't know if that's toxic or not. That might not be toxic. Well, I, it is toxic. I think any time that you're shutting down a kid emotionally, it's it, it's toxic. I don't Who think you should do that Who hasn't really general. been shut down emotionally? All of us have up. been, but that's not the point. The point I, is, I, is, I, that, I is, that, is that is that is that it. No, has never been. I You've was, never was, been emotionally shut down Jewish mother. I oh was gosh, shut down. That must have been nice. <laughs> I don't recall being shut down emotionally. I was once shut down in mid-masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> Blue balls my, my, is a my, real my, thing. No, my Stop father laughing. said, put that away. Don't do that. that that's I was very toxic. In public? Don't do that at a dinner public. table? <laughs> We're at church. I wasn't in public. I was in the car. You know when you're a little kid, your in father the- goes... All right, I gotta go up. You know, do errands. You wait in the car. Uh-huh. I don't know. People, kids still you can't wait do that ca- anymore. No. Kids still wait in the no, car. It's highly illegal now. Allowed to do that. Well, well I, I was, and older, especially and that, with the windows up. Well, I was waiting in the car, and whilst waiting, how old? You know, in the years before Five, uh, he said twenty-three. No, in the years before, <laughs> I don't remember how old. Like so, before ten years old. And in the days before, uh, you know, you could go on your cell phone. What else is there to do but masturbate? You were masturbating before younger than ten. I was I wasn't <laughs> masturbating in the in the Brilliant classical Julie sense. Bloom book. I wasn't masturbating in the classical <laughs> sense. a little uh, of 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 the stroke motion that we that we all do, <laughs> you know the, the the piston motion. I wasn't doing that. I was just diddling. touch diddling. Diddling yeah. is a better word. Yeah, little kids do that. And uh, and my father <laughs> came and he said, hey, "Put that away. Don't do that. Don't you know?" He, in a very abrupt kind of abrupt way. manner. I don't know what the best way to handle that would have been and how I would have handled that. I probably would have pretended I didn't see and just. 
Because I would have put it in just seeing him. I mean, I. And you remembered it. How many other memories can you uh, come up with off the top of your head from that particular year of your life? I mean, it's one of the most. It, it, it stayed with you. Well, it did stay. Well, yeah, it yeah. did stay. It's interesting. With me. That's how yeah. we learned not to touch it in public. Like shame. But again, I wasn't in public. I was in a car. Well, did we talk? Did we talk about therapy last last week? I feel that would be a great therapy topic. Yeah, because because I had, I had a well, th- I just but I think especially for a man of his generation, he handled it about as well as anybody that was born in the 1930s would have handled it. Now nowadays, you might say, "Son, it's okay. There's good touch and bad, and it's your body." That's right. That's and, exactly. And I think what somebody would have done it uh, differently growing up. Yeah, you're, right, you're right. But you're you grew right up there. in the 30s, you know, what do they, they what do they know? But don't you think all these gender generalizations, the trend in general has been upwards? In the past decades, like he mentions a man and it's born yeah, in his 30s versus so a too. person born now. Okay, okay. And I feel that's in, true for every trend. I, yeah. I was thinking about this. This is related to the Magari Go. I, I was thinking, and maybe you can, you can come up with some other examples. I was trying to think of a profession that I could literally put on the outfit of that profession, go to work oh, at, at... Did I talk this about you? Yes. Uh, yeah, this is my thing. Go to work as that professional. And the customer client... Would never know I could do the job for ten years. Like, like I couldn't be. A, I couldn't go to fix somebody's toilet and get away with it. They would know right away I'm not a plumber or a surgeon or whatever it is. I could step into any therapy office and say, "Hello, I'm Dr. Dwarman." So they will go to me for obscene. ten years. They'll have never have any fucking idea I'm not a yeah, therapist. I think you're absolutely correct. It is. It is the most bullshit profession. I, I, I'm not <laughs> so ridiculous. Now, I don't know that that makes it a bullshit profession, <laughs> but I don't. I think you're correct. Nobody would know. A bullshit maybe exaggeration. You could but- really sit there for an hour and listen to person after person go on about. That's their- not my point. My point is they would. I would say, "Oh, really?" Or they no, wouldn't. How know. does that make you feel? Or, or, or I might even have insight. Did you just have you thought about this? Have you thought about it? Oh my god, Dr. Dwarman, you're so smart. Like, uh, the, Dr. The, the, Dwarman. The, I mean, like they would it, it, now maybe oh, like cognitive Dwarman, behavioral so therapy smart. is different. I, I'm no expert on therapy, but like the basic like therapy, like I'm sure that the process of talking about your problems is good for you. It and, is. Yeah. So the patient is helped. No matter who the therapist is. But the question is, are there therapists out there that really have a science, like they've learned something? I think there are. And, and what are they learned? But you've even come away from our last conversation, because last time you said it wasn't measurable. Like, you couldn't really tell if it helped. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You can't measure it. Have you I, have you seen Chris Gethard's career suicide? Yes. No. He talked about how shitty his therapist is yeah. throughout <laughs> the entire special, and it's just, you're, you're ringing a lot of bells that are similar to what he was talking about. Oh, it's, gotta, it's absolutely great. You'd it. love it. Well, now, I, now I, I, have a, I have a friend who could become, who become like a good friend who's, who is a therapist. God forbid... Uh, they ever hear this thing? But <laughs> we're sending it to them. But um, th- I, th- obviously, if you're helping parents raise children, you might have insight into patterns. patterns. There are, there are, there are. I'm just talking about like the guard, like the, like the comedian. There's a therapist that all the comedians go to. Is, okay, what, what he, and his wife. Here, well, no, and his wife. Like yeah. his wife Here, also does. Here's how it helps. I think I view them almost as like statisticians. So let's say you're going through a divorce and you have to explain to your kids this is what's happening. You go to a therapist, therapist, you've seen this situation a thousand times. What tends to work? What tends to not work? How should we talk to our kids about this? So that tends to be, therapists usually have a good sense of how to piece together the thousand situations they've seen and give pretty good advice. I I would go with that, except for the fact that I know that 10 different therapists will have 10 different opinions. 
There's very few. Well, I, I, but, I, but I think that's because there's a lot of bad therapists. There are all, there are some good therapists that have the, oh, they've seen the thousand. No, the good ones. If you feel trial better, trial and error, <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> yeah. If you feel better, if you I, feel better. I mean, it is it is a mysterious profession. I mean, but yeah, I'll accept. It's Having like never gotten I, into therapy, I think you're I, don't know. I think you're right that the that the patient wouldn't necessarily know right away that you're a fraud, but that doesn't mean that the profession is a fraud. No, I'm saying the patient would think that they feel better after they spoke oh. to me. But hey, you're I giving think, yourself a lot well, they probably of credit, Doctor. Doctor, do you want to try this ethically? I would no, love there to is try not. No, they there probably is. Would. Yeah, you can. You, you can be like a life coach. They the probably would. Oh, actually, yeah, that's what those are: fake therapists no, or life coaches. I, I want right? to do a commission study where people sign and they don't know, like, tell them it's like placebo a, and real, and and, and it's a it's and a called Columbia University, but it would still all be anecdotal anyway. But how do you measure success? You can't measure it by whether they feel good or not. Self, yeah, that's the only way. Maybe you have to maybe have to measure it by their health. Maybe you have to measure it by their career success. Like there's 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 different metrics other than happiness for a therapist. Now psychiatry, by the way, I'm not changed behavior is also is is what is indicative of if you're going to a good therapist. Like, are you able to change the behavior? He's still masturbating. I will say, I will say, (laughs) I will say this. Yes, but in private, and I will say this. Not in cars. And he's not in the back seat of a car anymore. He's not. He's not here. But Dove Davidoff went from the ultimate booty hound, and unfortunately, he's not here. I think he's 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 away on. uh, He was in the Seychelles doing a gig for some Arab sheik. Anyway, it's amazing. Um, oh, no, I'm sure he's not booty hounding. I have I have never seen a a, tra- a change in behavior like Dove David in my entire life, who went from the ultimate booty hound to a m- monogamous, and I do believe he is being monogamous, uh, husband and father, and he credits therapy at least in part with that transition. And uh, perhaps we can talk with him about oh, that. A lot. That would be a great topic. Okay, we have to we have to wrap <laughs> it up. Uh, um, well, I, you know, we had we, maybe we could still do. It. We had envisioned like a real like getting all the club owners to really like hash it out about comedy club owning and stuff. But uh, maybe we can do that again. By the way, well, I'm th- sure we'll come back, right, is, James? Is, is the minimum wage impacting you? Oh fuck yeah, it is. Huh? Oh, because yeah. you have a whole restaurant and everything. That's a whole issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, not so much you, right? No, no. He doesn't have as many employees, and he's rich. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, but I still want the comedy clubs to be profitable. I want to get. I want to make more money. Yeah, sure. But I have. Yeah, it, 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 it's a. It's a big. It's a big change. It's a big change. It's a big change. I, I don't. I honestly like. And I know every time I come on this podcast, I say it, but I have no idea how we're going to weather the storm. Like it's literally a lot of like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Well, let me just tell you. I never. When you say that, I always take you seriously, and it can because I remember growing up like fifteen consecutive years. Of living like that, yeah. so it's it's absolutely you know you. And the it, creek is going to have its bat mitzvah in August. Well, I think it's about time Hello. to uh, to wrap this up. We do thank uh, all of our guests, Mr. James Al Toucher. Okay, hold no on. on the this phone is actually my my twenty uh, month old baby. First phone call to me. Good night, everybody. Oh. Put, put her on speaker. Put him on speaker. Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, thank you, James. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, thank Trent. you, Dan. Thank, thank you. It was Can nice to meet you. It was really nice to meet and you guys. And it was good thank to do you. this again, James. And Josie, of course, Josie Altucher, as far as I know, your first radio credit. Fabulous. And uh, we'll see you next time. I know how to start an argument with anyone. <laughs> and I don't need but two words. What's wrong? I would get married tomorrow if I could marry a police detective, just so I can hear the phrase, we can either do this here or we can do this downtown. There's a lot of shit going on down there. 
My last girlfriend and I broke up because she's from Jamaica and does not smoke marijuana, and that is the end of that joke. <sighs> I touch myself quite a bit. Um, I touch myself like it's my job and I'm bucking for a raise, all right? I installed a bounty paper towel rack on the wall next to my bed, all right? I don't think I can paint this picture any clearer. <laughs> if you don't know me by now, you will never know me. And another hand for Mr. William Stevenson. William Stevenson, let him know that you love and cherish him.